0: Hello everyone. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button that way you never miss an episode. We post weekly on the podcast every Wednesdays and you're not going to want to miss it. We also post the YouTube video on Wednesday. You're not going to want to miss that either. Now you guys, do I have a case for you today? This is an absolute whirlwind of a case. It's one of those cases where I couldn't believe what I was reading while researching this and while watching old video clips and documentaries and things. It kept surprising me over and over again, and I just knew that I couldn't wait to share it with you today. Because first of all, it's just absolutely devastating and heartbreaking, but also of how sinister of a case this is, how much betrayal is involved in this case. It's absolutely wild. So with that being said, as you can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are talking about the death of Billy Sprouts and what led up to that. So let's jump right on into it. Now, this case today takes place in Bridgeville, Delaware, and Bridgeville is a very small town. It is an everyone-knows-everyone type of town, and in 2001, which is when this case today takes place, the population was about 1,700 people, so again... Very small, tight-knit community. It was one of those towns where you would have a house and then a bunch of rural land and then another house after that. It only has two stoplights and there's a lot of farmland. They're known for their apple orchards. So it's a very tight-knit community, like I said. Now, Billy Sprouts was born on November 27th of 1955 in Kent County, Maryland to his parents, William and Joan. Now, Billy also had three brothers and a sister and was the oldest of five of them. Him and his siblings grew up in Magnolia, Delaware, which is a town that basically, again, just fields. There were no streetlights in this town. And growing up, Billy helped his family in the field with his other brothers. Now, once he got older, he Got a job working at a sawmill in Millington, Maryland, and Billy was an extremely hard. Worker. He would get up at 6 a.m., work until dark, and then get up and do it all again the very next day. And so, because of that, he never really had many girlfriends. That was until he came across his first girlfriend, a woman named Linda Liu. So, Linda was Billy's first girlfriend. She was several years older than him, but he was absolutely infatuated by Linda. Billy was not someone who was used to getting attention by girls, and when that happened with Linda, it was a done deal for him. He was absolutely head over heels. And so while Linda was his first girlfriend, she also became his wife. And the two of them lived together in Bridgeville, Delaware. So this all brings us to October 18th of 2001. And on this particular day, Billy and his brother David had plans to go on a hunting trip together because it was the first day of deer hunting season. Now, this is something that Billy was super passionate about and always looked forward to every year. So David was very surprised when he went over to Billy's house to pick him up that morning, expecting Billy to be there to see that Billy's car was gone when he arrived. But again, this was really odd to David because he knew that Billy would never miss deer hunting. It was very unlike him. He loved to hunt, and it wasn't something that he was just going to skip out on, especially without telling David. So David decided to hang around the house for a little bit, see if Billy came back, but he never did. So ultimately, David decided to drive back home to his house and call Linda to see if she knew where Billy was. And you can imagine David's surprise when he got a hold of Linda and she admitted to him that she hadn't seen Billy for weeks. She claimed that her and Billy got into an argument a few weeks prior and she hadn't seen him since. When David asked what the fight was about or what kind of argument ensued, Linda claimed that Billy had been cheating on her and so that was what the fight was about. And David was very taken aback by this. Him and his brother had a very close relationship, and he also knew that his brother was not someone who was disloyal or who was a cheater. It took him a very long time to date Linda, and he was absolutely in love with her. He knew that this was not something that Billy would do. It was very out of character for him. So because of that, David decided to go ahead and file a missing persons report for Billy. However, when he called them that day, authorities told him that he needed to wait a week, a whole week, and if Billy still didn't come back after a week, then he could call back and file the missing persons report. But police just told David not to worry about it and that more than likely, he just ran off with another girl and you'll hear from him soon. Now you can imagine the frustration of david at this point hearing that he has to wait a week to file that missing persons report we all get frustrated when we hear that families of victims or friends of victims have to wait 24 hours to file a missing persons report but to wait a whole week is almost unheard of but that's what david ultimately did he waited the full week and after billy still did not come home and he still hadn't heard from him David called again and filed the missing person's report. So this is where the investigation truly began, and investigators started it by speaking with Linda, who explained to them that for the past few weeks, she had actually been living with her ex husband after her and billy had gotten into this fight she said she really didn't have anywhere else to go and her ex-boyfriend always left the door open for the two of them so she went back and stayed with him for a few weeks while her and billy tried to sort through everything she also claimed that this wasn't unusual or a big deal because billy was cheating on her so what difference did it make if she went back to her ex-husband's house Now, Linda also confided in police and told them that there was something else that Billy had left behind. Linda said that a few days prior, her and Billy had been talking about moving back in with each other and that Linda was going to move back with Billy. The two of them were very excited about it. However, everything changed after Linda had packed up all of her belongings and moved back over to Billy's when she discovered that Billy was not there. But the only thing he left behind with him was a note. Linda claimed that Billy had written her a handwritten note where he told her that he was running off with another woman. Now, obviously, as you can imagine, Linda claimed that she was absolutely blindsided. Her and Billy had just talked about moving back in together, so there was no reason for her to believe that this is what was going on behind her back. But when police asked to see this handwritten note, Linda claimed that she already threw it away because it made her too upset to look at. So with this new information that police got from Linda, their next task was trying to find out who this mystery woman was that Billy ran off with. They talked around to some of Billy's family and friends who all claimed that they had no idea They were certain that if Billy was going to run off with someone, they would know, but he never mentioned anything like this to them. And again, like I said, it took Billy a really long time to date Linda and to marry her and to find a girlfriend and to do all of those things. He was not someone who was just going to go run off with some random young girl. It was just very out of pocket for him. Now you might be sitting here wondering, you know, why can't they check his phone records? Or why can't they check his bank records, ATMs, things like that? Well, that did not work in Billy's case because usually you would be right. But again, in this case, that did not work because Billy, not only did he not have an actual bank account because he only got paid in cash, he also didn't have a cell phone. So there was really no paper trail or no phone that they can try and trace back to see what his last movements were or where he last was because he just didn't have those things. So this now brings us to a couple weeks later, on November 30th, 2001, and police received another 911 phone call in regards from a family of a man named John Charbonneau. John was 61 years old at the time, and his family was the one to make the call. He lived by himself in Bridgeville, Delaware, and his family lived in Vermont. They asked police if they could do a welfare check on John because it had been several days since anyone was able to get a hold of him, and this worried his family because he had a heart condition, so to not hear from him for several days was very worrisome. So police decided to carry out this welfare check, and when they arrived to John Charbonneau's home, they knocked on the door but didn't get an answer. When they arrived, they noticed that there were no cars in the driveway, and they began looking through the windows of the home. However, the house looked empty, so police decided to walk into the backyard. Now, when they walked into the backyard, they noticed a very obvious pile of car tires laying in the corner. Now, in the inside of one of the tires was actually a shovel. And when police started looking around the backyard, they were able to notice a very obvious plot of grass that had been dug up and was now just covered in dirt. But before they began digging, they called in more officers to join the scene as well as the medical examiner, just because they had an idea of what was coming. They began digging through the dirt and that's when their suspicions were right. When digging, they were first met with pieces of clothing that were blood-soaked, and when they began to dig further is when they came across a body. By the time police had gotten to the body, it was already pretty badly decomposed, so they weren't able to tell the definitive cause of death right away. However, they were able to see that this person was in fact a white male, and at first, police thought that more than likely, this was John Charbonneau, but How did he get buried in his own backyard, was police's first question. But once they started to dig a little deeper and brush the dust off, they actually found a wallet. And that wallet had a driver's license in it. And when police looked at the name on the driver's license, they realized that this was not John Charbonneau. However, this was Billy Sproats. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Billy's body was found with his hands tied behind his back, and his face was completely bludgeoned. The medical examiner concluded that there was blunt force trauma, as well as multiple stab wounds in his torso and his head. But regardless of all of that, the autopsy showed that the official cause of death for Billy was actually asphyxiation. Billy was found with dirt in his lungs, which proved to the medical examiner that Billy had been buried alive. So obviously, after the discovery of Billy's body, police now have probable cause to go into John's home and search throughout it. And when they did that, they noticed that John's home had been stripped clean. There was no furniture left in the house. All of the cabinets were ripped off of the walls. There was nothing in that house anymore. The house had been completely abandoned at this point. So now, when police were looking at the case that they had, they had the body of Billy Sproats, who had been brutally murdered and buried alive in the backyard of a house that was owned by John Charbonneau and they also don't know where John Charbonneau is at that point. So police now bring this information to Linda who was incredibly devastated and upset when she heard this news but when being told this news is when Linda gave police a new little bit of information as well. Linda told authorities that it was very weird that Billy would be found in the backyard of John Charbonneau because John Charbonneau was actually Linda's ex-husband. So let me just repeat that. Billy Sprouts was married to Linda before he died. But before being married to Billy, Linda had an ex-husband. That ex-husband was John Charbonneau. And Billy was found buried in the backyard of John Charbonneau's home but it doesn't stop there. Not only was John Linda's ex-husband, he was also Billy's uncle. So John was the uncle of Billy. John was married to Linda. Linda divorced John and then moved on to his nephew, Billy. Now, according to Billy's family and friends, John was not happy, obviously, when this happened, and when Billy was starting to date Linda, he was really upset about it for a multitude of reasons. However, clearly, it didn't affect Billy's decision to continue on with seeing Linda. So police are thrown that bombshell at them, and now they're really just trying to uncover this family tree that's going on. And when they do that, they realize that Linda has a daughter named Melissa. Now, Melissa is not John's biological daughter. However, he helped raise her from the time that she was like three or four years old. So John was really all she knew when it came to a father figure. Now, when authorities went to go speak to Melissa because they wanted to see when the last time she had spoke to him was, they learned through Melissa and Melissa's boyfriend named Tony Brown that the last time they spoke to John, they learned that he was at jury duty. Now, police were able to confirm the fact that he was on jury duty. However, that had been completed and there was no trace of him after that. Now, when speaking to authorities, Melissa showed a lot of concern because this was really the only father figure that she had known. John and Linda had been married for 20 years together. And then the reason that Linda ended up divorcing John was because he had a worsening heart condition that I had mentioned earlier. So once John's heart condition worsened, Linda divorced. Him and then married his nephew. So at this point, police were theorizing. They thought it was very possible that John's rage over his nephew marrying his ex wife could have just taken over him and he ended up hurting Billy, burying him in the backyard, and then going on the run. That was a very strong possibility to police. They figured that that made sense in terms of motive. You know, Billy's found buried in the backyard, John's nowhere to be found. This has to be what had happened. And this theory was strengthened when authorities found multiple blood splatter stains all over John's house. There was blood splatter on the ceiling, on the window panels. So even though that house was abandoned and stripped clean of all the furniture, there still was blood. Now, remember how I mentioned earlier that Linda had been staying with an ex-husband of hers while her and Billy were fighting. Well, we now know that that ex-husband was John, and Linda claims that while she was staying with John, John was very hopeful for a reconciliation and very hopeful that the two of them could repair their marriage, even though Linda was already moved on in that aspect. So when Linda told John that she was going to go stay at Billy's and move back in with him after they had, you know, began to resolve this fight that they were in, John became very upset. Linda said that he was so upset that it wouldn't surprise her if John was involved in Billy's death. Now, even though Billy didn't have an ATM account or a cell phone or a bank account, John did, luckily. So because of that, police were able to pull bank statements and ATM records, and they were able to see that there were several times where cash was withdrawn from an ATM out of John's bank account. And when they looked further and looked at the surveillance on that footage, because ATMs have a video surveillance, you can imagine their shock when they looked on that video surveillance and saw not John, not Linda, but Melissa, Linda's daughter being the one on the video surveillance from the ATMs. Now, obviously police confronted her about this and Melissa had an excuse. She said that John had left behind his bank card and he oftentimes let her use it and there were several instances where she needed money over the past several weeks. So that was the reason that she was shown up on the video from the ATM. Which, to police, that did seem like a very likely situation. It seemed like a very likely scenario. However, in the grand scheme of things, when talking about the circumstances that were going on, it all just seemed too coincidental. So at this time, police were able to get a search warrant for Billy's home, which is where Linda was living at the time, with Melissa and her boyfriend, Tony. Now, when police looked through the house, they found multiple traces of blood in the kitchen. There was blood on the ceiling and again on the panels of the windows. And they also looked into Linda's van. Linda drove a van and it was kept in Billy's backyard. And when they looked in the van, they found more evidence of blood. But when presented with this evidence, Linda, Melissa, and Tony all claimed that they had no idea where all this blood was coming from. So police swabbed all the blood and sent it off to the crime lab. And while they were waiting for the results, they ended up getting a very unexpected phone call. This phone call was from a man named John Rosinski. Now John Rosinski was actually Melissa's ex-husband, who was in jail at the time for burglary. He called police and told them that he had some very telling information that they would want to know in regards to this case and he obviously knew about it because it was all over the news and there was tv at the jail that he was at police ended up sitting down with john rosinski and that is when he confided in them and told them that melissa and linda had sought out john rosinski before he went to jail and asked if he would kill john charbonneau And it didn't stop there because Linda and Melissa even gave John Rosinski ways that he could do it. They thought of several different methods of killing him. The first being they thought that they could scare him into having a heart attack and then bludgeon him over the head. And John Rosinski said that he refused to be a part of this and him and Melissa divorced shortly after. He also confessed to police that he had witnessed Linda assault Billy on at least one occasion. However, Billy never retaliated back. So this is the bombshell in this case for police, and this is where things begin to shift for them because at first they were thinking, you know, John killed Billy, buried him in the backyard, John's on the run. But now things have changed. Now police are starting to believe that Linda, Melissa, and Tony are the masterminds behind this double homicide and are basically just sending police on a wild goose chase, thinking that they will never figure it out. And it was at this time that police also got the lab results back from the blood spatter found in Linda's van. And that blood spatter showed that the blood in the van was a positive match to John Charbonneau. So now police have Billy's body, John's blood, and three suspects. Linda, Melissa, and Tony, and the only thing they need now is a confession. So police decide to bring in Melissa, thinking that she was going to be the weakest link out of the three, and they ultimately ended up being right, because it only took her about eight hours before she finally cracked and confessed. Melissa told police that John was killed on the night of September 23rd 2001 she said that her mom linda wanted john's disability checks because of his heart condition she said that on the night of the 23rd she received a phone call from her mom linda who told her that tonight was the night she said that linda and her mom had been speaking about this and planning this for some time now however they never had an exact date of when they were going to do it it was mainly just thought and conversation but linda told melissa that it was finally time Now, Linda was staying at John's house at the time because, remember, she claimed that her and Billy had gotten into an argument. Now, she said that while she was at John's house, she told Melissa that she was going to leave the side door unlocked. The plan was after that for Tony Brown to sneak into John's house through the side door, and once he did that, Linda was going to tell John that she was hearing noises and to go check what was going on, and when he did that, that is when Tony was going to attack. Now, Melissa was also at the house this night. She was with Tony and assisted him through the side door, so it was three against one at this point. When Tony walked into the house that night, Linda told John to go see what the noises were all about, and when he did that, Tony hit him over the head and fell to the floor while Linda was just standing there watching. Melissa remembers John yelling at Linda, saying, Linda, are you going to let him do this to me, while Tony continuously beat him over and over. Now, Linda then told Melissa and Tony that they had to get rid of John's body. So the both of them picked him up and put him in the back of the van and Melissa got into the driver's seat while Tony directed her where to go from there. They eventually ended up in the woods where they buried John. And once they buried him, they went back to John's house and stripped everything down to get rid of any possible blood evidence. And then they took that evidence to Billy's home and put it all in the backyard. So that was John's murder. But why was Billy killed was police's next question. Now according to Melissa, Billy had discovered some of the blood evidence in his backyard, and he also knew that no one had heard from his uncle John in quite some time. So he started putting some of the pieces together and he began asking Linda and Melissa some questions about what the blood was from and if anything had happened to his uncle John. Melissa said it was at that point that Linda decided that Billy needed to die too. So a couple days later, Linda called Billy and asked him to come home one day so they could work on their relationship. And once he got home, not only did he find Linda, but he also found Tony and Melissa as well. They began attacking him by stabbing him multiple times and hitting him over the head before burying him alive in the backyard of John's house. And again, like I said, the medical examiner concluded that Billy was still alive at the time that he was buried. So he was buried alive. Now, Tony, at the time of Melissa's confession, was actually in jail in regards to a parole violation, but he agreed to help police, which would in turn help his sentence, so he took police to where John was buried, so he helped police find his body. He brought them out to the woods and pointed at where John's body was located, and police were ultimately able to find him. After the autopsy was concluded, it shows that the cause of death for John was blunt force trauma. So at this time, Melissa and Tony were both arrested. Like I said, Tony was already in jail, but he was now being charged for two murders as well. On July 8th, 2002, there were arrest warrants that were released in the murder of John Charbonneau and Billy Sprouts, and Linda was arrested that same day. Now, surprising or not, when Linda was brought in by police, she completely turned the blame back on Melissa and Tony. And at this point, police knew that they needed concrete evidence that Linda was the mastermind behind all of this. They decided to offer Tony and Melissa a plea deal. And this deal was is that the death penalty would be taken off the table for both of them if they testified against Linda. Now, the prosecution started to realize that Tony testifying against Linda really wasn't going to hold any weight with the jury, because why wouldn't he testify against Linda to save himself, if that makes sense? So instead, they knew that their star witness in this case needed to be Melissa. They needed Melissa to testify against her mother. Because if a daughter is willing to testify against their mother in a death penalty case, more than likely, there's some truth behind it. So the prosecution gave a plea deal to Melissa, and they told her if she testified against Linda, that they would only give her 25 years for this. So obviously, Melissa took it. She pled guilty to second-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder, and Melissa took the stand and told the whole story. After two days of deliberating, the jury reached a verdict and decided that Linda Lou Charbonneau was guilty of two counts of first degree murder and was sentenced to death. Now that was the first time since 1935 that a woman in Delaware had been sentenced to death, but this did not last long. The trial ended up getting thrown out actually because the defense claimed that they never got a chance to cross-examine Tony Brown. And because of that, it was an unfair trial. And so the whole trial was thrown out So this was declared a mistrial. And so they had to go in for a second one. Now this time, Melissa refused to testify. She already got her plea deal. She only had to do 25 years and she wasn't willing to testify against her mom for a second time. So she really left the prosecution out on their own. So because of this, the prosecution decided that the best thing to do would be to offer Linda a plea deal. They told Linda that they would charge her only in the death of John Charbonneau, not billy sprouts and because of this linda was only sentenced to 20 years in prison so literally she was sentenced to less than melissa was for this and as you can imagine this was absolutely crushing to billy and john's family because even though there is justice for john there's no justice for billy who was so brutally murdered by the three of them and the mastermind behind it all is the one that gets out the earliest Now, Linda's scheduled release was actually in July of 2022, but I was not able to find anything that showed that she actually got out of prison at that time. So she may be released at this point. She may not be. I could not find anything on that. If you do, you can let me know. But what I also know is that Melissa is scheduled to be released in 2024, so pretty soon as well. And as for Tony, he is serving life in prison without parole. So that, you guys, is the case of Billy Sprouts. It's a whirlwind. It's a lot. It's crazy. Um, I'm really interested to see what you guys have to say about this and what your thoughts are on everything. It's one of those cases where you almost can't keep up because with each turn you make, it's something different. So let me know what you guys think about this one. And with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. I'll be back next week with a brand new case for you guys. And until then, stay safe. Bye guys.